Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back to another episode, and this one is going to blow your mind. Today, I'm talking to AJ Mirzad, and you're not going to believe this. Yeah, today he has a multi-million dollar business. Today, he has everything he wants. Today, he's thriving and happy, but not long ago, he wanted to kill himself. Not long ago, he was hooked on drugs. Not long ago, he was actually pronounced dead. Yes, dead. How did he turn it around? He tells you everything, the steps, the motivation, what you can do, how to recognize if you have a victim's mindset, which he had, how to start a coaching business, how to take a coaching business past a million dollars, what giving back looks like for him, and all sorts of epic advice. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this one, so let's dive in. AJ, my friend, I am so pumped to have you on. How you doing? Doing awesome, Chris. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, for sure. So we got connected through a couple of mutual friends. It was almost serendipitous, I guess, that we got connected because we totally share the same mindset on, you know, talking about busting through money blocks, talking about mindset, talking about generosity, giving back. I'm pretty pumped to talk to you today. Likewise, yeah, we're totally aligned on so many different levels. So I'm excited about this. Well, let's start with helping people get to know you. Now, right now, as of today, you have a best-selling book a seven-figure business that is just crushing it. You get media galore. I mean, you really have an epic life right now. But I once read about you that growing up, it was the opposite. You know, it wasn't long ago that you blamed everybody else for what you called your crappy life. You actually hated yourself. You blamed your parents for not loving you enough. You woke up one day and you were 60 pounds overweight and you blamed everybody but yourself, the food companies and everyone else for making you fat. You couldn't get a job and you blamed the economy. You were basically living the life of a victim. And then you freaking died. Is that right? Like really died? Yeah, I had a near-death experience and I was in a coma for seven days. Dude, you have to tell us this entire backstory. This is wild. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, Chris. So that was my life, uh, you know, for the, for the most part, of this victim mentality. And I blamed everything outside of me for my my challenges and, and 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 my setbacks right it wasn't my fault it was my parents it was society it was the school system it was the economy and when you tend to blame all these external sources over time you lose your power right because when you're a victim you have no power you're kind of in this whirlwind of all these external experiences really being the cause and effect of your life so one thing that gave me power growing up was food. So I started to just eat emotionally. And over time, I was 60 pounds overweight. I had this big belly, man boobs, big chipmunk cheeks, and <laughs> I hated the way I looked. And it was coming to the point where as I got older, food wasn't the only option. Then I got into drugs and alcohol. So I was excessively drinking at first, drinking until I blacked out and not remembering anything, regretting all the horrible things I did. And then I got into using drugs and I was taking ecstasy, crystal meth, ketamine, like you name it. If there's a drug out there, I was taking it. And 
all this time, I was just numbing the pain, like I said, with food, then alcohol, then excessive drugs. And over time, I was almost having a death wish because I was pushing my body, you know, just taking a boatload of drugs, getting to the point where I overdosed. And I literally overdosed three times. Like, that's how bad it was, and that's how powerless I was. I would end up in the ER, wake up there and be like, whoa, what just happened for a few days, get a little down and depressed and then go right back into taking more drugs. It was this horrible havoc. I, I, I was literally on the road to killing myself. And about the age of 26, I had a horrific near-death experience. And it was a, a very long, arduous story. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but essentially I took this stimulant that basically stopped my heart. And it was, it was so, so much stimulant that basically my heart flatlined, I was pronounced dead, and essentially the doctors were able to revive me and I was in a coma for seven days. And it felt like my whole life just flashed in front of me in that moment because all the other things that I went through, the, just the nights of binge drinking and drug use and overdose, like that was like the straw that broke the camel's back because when I woke up and all of my friends and my family were at the hospital just staring at me, crying and emotional, I realized like, wow, like, what did I do with my life? Like, how did I end up here where I'm this guy who's basically killing himself and also making all these people that, that love him sad? And, and it really broke my heart too that I, I was causing this. But as I realized that I was causing this, I also realized that all these negative things, they were my fault. And at the same time, if I wanted to better my life, then it's my fault too. So then I realized like having this victim mentality was not serving me. It was literally killing me because I had no power and I was seeking all these substances to give me power temporarily. But the real power comes from within. And, and on that day when I was 26, I, I made a pact. I said, you know, if I was born at this point in the timeline and died at this point, like my life would be over. I would leave no legacy. It would just be like this guy who did a bunch of drugs, partied, had some good friends went to school and died, but now I was given a second chance. So from that moment on, I decided to make a change. I stopped drugs, cold turkey. Uh, you know, it's, 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 I've been sober since, uh, stopped excessively drinking. I started reading books. In fact, that first year I read 20 books, self-help, personal development, mindset. I started a journal, which I have not missed until this day. Every single day of my life, I record it, I write it. And um, a few months later, I actually started my first business and, and it just devoted my life into just personal development and being the best version of myself. It was as if coming back from that coma and putting my family, my friends through that emotional turmoil woke me up to make me realize that I need to make a change. You know, I have a second chance on this earth and this time I want to leave a legacy. So I've just been going really, really hard in terms of focusing on bettering myself, giving back and, and now taking the second lease on life and taking control of it, but also creating my own destiny. My God, AJ, I can't even imagine going through that. It, that's one of the most wild stories I've, I've ever heard. So you woke up and you said, holy crap, I've been given an extra chance. Did you literally change on a dime that moment forward? I know that you said um, it was right away that you gave up drugs, cold turkey, et cetera. But was it literally the day you got out of the hospital, you started kicking ass? Or was there like a gradual ramp up to it? Yeah, it, it was a total extreme, like 
switched. You know, I have this extreme mentality, like I'm all or nothing. So once I make a decision, no more drugs, no more excessive drinking, no more excessive eating. And I just put all my energy towards improving myself. That's incredible. So let's talk about this victim's mentality that we talked, that we mentioned real quick. Um, obviously most of my listeners are not that far down the rabbit hole, you know, some of them I'm sure, but where they're doing tons of drugs every single day, they want to kill themselves. They're, they're having these near death experiences. Obviously that's not the norm, but there are plenty of people that have a victim's mentality. Sometimes it's something like, oh, I can't be successful because of this, or I can't find a good relationship because of that, right? They're, they're blaming. And it's like this lighter version of a victim's mentality. Talk to us about that mentality because you actually are, you've, you've got a master's degree in psychology. So you fully understand what it's like to have that type of mentality and how to get around it. Absolutely. You know, and as I was mentioning earlier, Chris, you know, we lose all our power when we become a victim because that is saying that everything outside of me controls my life and controls my destiny. But when you take full responsibility for your life, you yield this insane power because even if certain things like, let's say, are out of your control, you could still take responsibility for it, right? Let's say, for example, I, I just purchased a new car and I park it on the street and someone is drunk and they hit the car, right? Like a hit and run and I, and I come out and my beautiful car is totaled. You know, I, I could bitch and moan and, and complain about why is this, you know, why did this happen to me? My beautiful car, it's ruined. Why is this, you know, he's making me all upset. Or I could be like, listen, that is my fault. Like I just bought this car. Maybe I could have put it inside of a garage, you know, or, 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 or hey, thankfully I was not inside the car, right? I, I could take responsibility for what is the good thing about this? What am I grateful about this experience? And at the same time, like, listen, I'm grateful that I have an abundant business that, okay, I'll pay for the insurance. I'll get a loan, a car, everything will work out. It's not that bad, but I could take as much responsibility as I can in that situation and gain power from it, great, gain some great lessons as opposed to me bitching and moaning all day long that this guy ruined my life. Okay. So typically when people have a victim's mentality because they see themselves as a victim time and time again, they don't even recognize that they have this mentality. So how can somebody wake up and realize, wait a minute, I actually have a bit of a victim's mentality. Well, basically, looking at who do you blame for what you have in your life and many victims live in the past so they could blame an ex for not being in a relationship or bl blame a, a boss of not having their ideal career or blame their parents for whatever's going on in their life so it's really like asking a person the question you know or asking yourself the same question like whose fault is it that i have this result in my life, whether I'm broke, I'm overweight, I'm lonely, whose fault is it? And when you start asking whose fault is it, and you realize, okay, you're blaming all these people, then usually you're a victim. That's incredible. So let's actually use your master's degree in psychology a little bit further here. I love, love, love talking about people's mindsets. And I love talking about what holds people back from success and how they can get past it. So in your opinion, because you've coached so many coaches, what is the most common hurdle that holds people back from really reaching success? The most common hurdle that holds people back is the fact that people create stories on why they're not successful. And if you study psychology in its purest form, you go into the world of mindfulness and you understand the nature of thought. 
And you come to realize that us humans, we have all of these thoughts throughout the day and these thoughts turn into beliefs and they become stories. And essentially, everything that you have in your life is based on a story that you tell yourself. That is one of the, the unique differences between a human being and an animal, right? Animals don't have stories. They just act on instinct. They live in the present moment. They just react. Well, humans, we create these amazing narratives in our minds of why things are the way they are. So I see a lot of people that are unsuccessful. They give, give a lot of meaning towards very disempowering stories, stories about money, stories about business, stories about growth and uh, constantly improving, right? They, they feel like they don't deserve it or you know, the economy sucks. So how, how am I going to make a business work? You know, nobody's buying anything or I'm not good enough, right? So these are all stories people tell themselves. And the, the reality is, is once a person like, like just like takes that story and just puts it against the light of truth and say, is this really true? Is this 100% factual that because of this, my life is like this? So that is my personal opinion, Chris, I feel like people have very, very disempowering stories and they hold on to these stories for many, many years. I would totally agree. Stories will literally ruin any attempt that you have at trying to be successful because it's the number one thing that holds you back. And the funny thing is they're fictional. They're just BS in your head, but you have to be able to number one, recognize it. And number two, intentionally work at getting past it. So I've got to ask you now that you're massively successful, seven figure business, the whole nine yards, what was your biggest story that was holding you back when you're trying to become this successful? Absolutely. My biggest story was I was never going to be wealthy. And uh, growing up, you know, my parents did the best they could. But uh, financially, we just trying to make ends meet. We're, we're quite poor growing up. And it was always this conversation of there's not enough money to pay the rent. How are we going to pay the bills? Are we going to have food at the end of the month? And obviously that never happened, but my parents had a lot of stories and those stories affected my belief system. So um, growing up, I had this very scarcity view of money. And when I started to then work at a job and then eventually start a business, I was always in this fear of losing money. And the same stories came into my mind. Or am I going to pay my mortgage? Am I going to pay my bills? Can I keep my business afloat? I've always had that ringing in the back of my mind. So for many years, that held me back because I didn't take a lot of risks. I didn't invest into the right people, the infrastructure, the right coaches. I was hoarding my money for so long, and it wasn't until I became aware of that story and I changed my story about money, where money flows to me abundantly, and the more I spend, the more I make, and money is, is a byproduct of the value I add into the world. And the more value that I add, then I have unlimited amounts of money coming to me and that news story has changed my whole life, changed my, my spending, but also the ability not to only invest in myself, but also give back to charity and, and be a person who's creating revenue, but also giving it back because I just create unlimited amounts of it. AJ, how did you change from that scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset? Like were there actions, were there mantras, were there books? What was it? Definitely actions, right? Um, there's a great saying that says, action alleviates anxiety. And for me, the, the greatest growth that came into my life was the ability to jump off a cliff and then build wings on the way down. So I came to realize that my personality is like, I'm very big on follow through. And if I do something, I make sure that it's done. So let's say for example, um, one of my biggest breakthroughs of going from scarcity to abundance was when I hired my first business coach. And I remember at the time, 
it was like I was reading all these books and going on these seminars and I was getting to like analysis paralysis. I had so much information and I wanted to grow an online business, but I don't know where to start. And at the time it was like, all right, well, I've tried everything. Let me hire this coach. And the guy, his name is Chris also. He said, hey, you know, I'll, I'll take you on as a client, but my fee is $5,000. Uh, and at the time I didn't have the money. And I remember it was like this conversation in my mind, like, oh my God, if I lose this money, I'll lose it forever. Uh, do I put on my credit card? Like, what do I do? So that decision of putting that $5,000 investment on my credit card, going into debt and making it work no matter what, is like, was, was like putting a gun to my head. And the moment that we started coaching, I came to realize the power of that because I remember the first coaching call we had, he was like, AJ, just forget everything you know. You have way too much information. Just do these three things. Once they're done, call me back. And I remember just frantically getting those things done in the first 24 hours and making sure that I followed through for my coach. Like I'm a guy who doesn't want to let people down and I don't want to look like an idiot. I just spent $5,000 and I didn't want to go to waste. So I just took massive action and followed week by week, whatever he told me. And I started gaining traction in the first month. I made a return on my investment and I realized the power of accountability, the power of hiring a coach. But also one thing that was really important for me, the more I pay, the more I pay attention. So that made me realize the power of investing, investing in myself. And from that first coach, I got major traction, but also realized the power of abundance, right? Because I, I'm, I'm spending money on him. I'm betting on myself and whatever it takes, I'm going to make it work. And since then I've hired numerous mentors, coaches. I have a coach right now. I pay him $36,000. I have another mastermind. I pay $25,000 a year. And every single one of these investments, I've made a 10, 10x ROI because I'm putting that, that, that commitment in myself. I believe in myself and I make it work no matter what. I am the exact same way. Boy, do I love what you said. The more I pay, the more I pay attention. You have to have that skin in the game, don't you? Absolutely, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's human nature. As much as I try to like break it down logically, I can't. It's like if I invest into a $10,000 seminar, I'm paying $10,000 worth of uh, attention, right? If, I, if it's a $97 seminar, it, it's, it's, it's like 100 bucks of attention. So if the story that was holding you back in the beginning was a scarcity mindset... Let me ask you vulnerably, what is the story that you're working on today? What holds you back today? Great question. The story that holds me back today is just being in a place where um, I, I guess I lose the simplicity of my life. You know, for me, I, I, I drive uncertainty and I, and I love to know like really what is going on all around me. So it's being in a place of uncertainty. So I found that in a lot of areas that I, I don't have control over and I'm coming into like uncertainty, I tend to like withdraw, I tend to hold back. And just like when I was getting over my scarcity about money and flipping over to abundance, I had to step out of my comfort zone. So the biggest thing that I'm doing this year to go into a place of uncertainty is putting myself in very, very uncertain situations and committing myself to trips and exotic locations and being in a place where I'm away from my business and I'm going on more adventures or I'm, I'm going into a situation where I don't know what the schedule is or the structure is. I'm just going to flow into it. And that is my major focus right now, just being comfortable with uncertainty. Wow. You and I have a lot in common. You know what? I just got back from Tony Robbins this past weekend and they make you list your limiting beliefs and they really make you dig deep on those things. 
And I realized mine was, and I was actually aware of this for the past several, several, several months. Um, it was what I would call a fear of success, right? That was my limiting belief. That was my, my version of my scarcity mindset. And that was, I was so afraid that if I played all out, that it, I would be so successful that it would change my life in a busy way that I didn't want. And I was literally afraid of not having that control over what appeared to be a successful life if now it led to more speeches, more appearances, more time spent on, with other people because I really liked the life that I have today. And then, you know, I really worked through it and I realized that the more successful I become, the more freedom I actually have to choose my life. But that was something I really had to work through. So I totally get it. Totally get it. That's brilliant. No, that's a great insight. And and you think about like a guy like Richard Branson, right? Where he's just like hanging out on islands and he's like skydiving and doing all these fun things, but he's running a multiple billion dollar company. He's a great example of a person who has an amazing level of freedom, but this wealth and this success and this impact on the world. Yeah, that's a perfect example. That's It's so funny because you look at him and it, it's almost laughable that I would have had that fear, but man, it was such a fear that the more successful I got, the busier I'd get, and then I'd have this lifestyle robbed of me. But I really realized it's the flip of that. Okay, so I want to switch modes. You are totally known out there as the coach's coach, the coach's mentor. I mean, you take coaches and you make them incredibly successful. Now, what I do want to know is not for people who are already started and have momentum, but I want to know like that beginner coach. Maybe they just coach people in person right now, but they want to go online. They want to scale their business. What is the first step or couple of key steps for people that say, I want to have a thriving online coaching business? Well, at the end of the day, when it comes to online coaching, people don't buy coaching. They buy coaches. What I mean by that is they're buying your personality. So the biggest shift people want to make to really make an impact online is to be able to share your personality. And that's through video, through the written word, through audio, like podcasts. And I'll give you a great example. A, a person you had on the show recently, Sterling Alexander Griffin, and he actually was uh, my coaching client a year ago. And he like literally was this personal trainer who wanted to go an online business and didn't know where to start. And at the time he was not in the best financial place. So he just called me up and said, listen, I want you, I want you to be my mentor. And I'm like, sure. You know, you seem like you have everything, but we got to talk about finances. You told me your finances are not that good. He's like, whatever it takes, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it. And at the time he didn't have the money, but he had a car. So he said, I'm going to sell my car and hire you as a coach. And that's when I knew how serious he was. So like, all right, Sterling, if that's what you want to do, then we have to make it work, gun to the head, whatever it takes. So he sold his car, jumped into my coaching program. And the first thing that I saw about Sterling was this, this amazing certainty that he had. This, that he spoke really well, he's very eloquent, but he was not sharing that with the world. In fact, he was not doing any videos. He was not writing about it. He was doing it with his clients inside of the gym, you know, kind of like behind closed doors. So I made him do a challenge where he put out a series of videos every single day for a week. And from that, he started to gain traction and he came into his own voice and, you know, make a long story short, he scaled from like zero to 500 K a year in a, in a, in a six month period. But I would have to say that what got him from zero to 500 K was really his ability to share his message. And when a person's first starting out, their biggest problem is obscurity. Right, because there's so many people coming into the online world, but no one knows who they are, what they do, what their message is, and the people that rise up very quickly 
understand the power of communication and they're able to take their message and convey it in a way that is emotionally gripping, that inspires people into action and, and it gains a following very quickly. So I would say, just like with Sterling, who had this momentous growth and for a lot of my students who are starting out and people that are listening, if you're in this place where you're, you're, you're taking your plunge in the world of online coaching, the most important thing to focus on is your communication. You know, what's amazing with Sterling is he offers so much value in this world and he wouldn't be doing that had he not come across you and had you not been his coach slash mentor. So look at that trickle down effect that you're creating. It's amazing how you're affecting this world through other people. Now you said something that was amazing. You said people are buying you, not your coaching, which is so true. But one of the fears that people have when they want to have an online business, regardless of what kind of business they're doing coaching in, they have a fear of charging for their services, I've noticed. They don't know what to charge or they totally undercharge or the worst thing I see, and I see a lot of it is they start doing it for free for everybody because they're afraid to ask for money. What are your thoughts on that? How do people get past that? And more importantly, how do people appropriately price their services? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, that is definitely a, a big thing I see with a lot of coaches and a lot of personal trainers, people that are coming up in this world who, who have this amazing gift of transformation, but they greatly devalue themselves. And one of the biggest things is, you know, it's just like comparing themselves to other people, right? That's that's one of the, the, the downfalls of the human condition is self-comparison. So it's like, well, this guy's charging this much, so I'll charge what he charges. But it's like apples and oranges. You know, it's, it's a different process, different transformation. You need to create your own prices first and foremost. And the biggest thing that I tell my students to do, and this is a really great exercise, is look at the people who you've impacted the most. Certain clients that came into your life and you've changed your life in such a profound way. Like I, right now, off the top of my mind, it's Sterling, right? So I was able to be the catalyst for Sterling, which I'm super grateful for. And he went from zero to $500,000 a year in six months. So right then and there, that's like a transformation that, that is huge. Now, if I could figure out like what would be the investment of that type of transformation or how would Sterling's life be if he'd never met me then I could really see the value that I'm adding. So let's say if a person's a personal trainer, they could think about their, their most successful client. Maybe they helped a woman lose 100 pounds. And because of that 100 pounds, she added 20 years to her lifespan. She became a better mother. She became more confident, made more money at work, and just, just changed her whole life. And to think about what would be like a price point that you would put towards that transformation, both what, what you did for her, but also if she'd, if she'd never came across you and she just continued living her life the way that she did, where would she be right now? And once you start to understand like the power of transformation that you have, then you could start to understand your value. And it goes back to our original statement, the more you pay, the more you pay attention. My personal opinion and what I tell my students is instead of focusing on having a thousand clients, you know, paying you a little bit of money, focus on having five to 10 high-end, high-quality clients you could give your heart and soul to, give them the biggest transformation and charge premium prices. And I will guarantee you that they'll be a lot more invested in you and you will be a lot more invested in them. So it's just really, really people getting to understand the power they yield, the amount of value, the amount of transformation they're able to accomplish for someone. Wow, I love that. That's great advice. So let's take it a step further. Let's talk to my more advanced crowd now. Entrepreneur Magazine featured you in an article called Four Ways to Grow Your Business to a Million Dollars. What's the number one action or tip or 
the number one whatever that you would give for people that already have momentum and want to get that next step to seven figures? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. So I was stuck at six figures for the longest time, and that was a story that I had. Oh, my God, I can't make more than $10,000, $20,000 a month. It was like this ceiling that I kept on hitting and hitting and hitting. And I remember like I was at a seminar once and there was a speaker who had this really like just well put together seven figure business. And he was like so scale, so leveraged. And his business was just like, like a dream business. It was running with a, an amazing team, a, amazing just systems and structure. And uh, the name of his speech, it, it was kind of cheesy. It was the bigger the dream, the bigger the team. I remember like I was writing that in my notepad. I'm like, oh, this sounds cheesy, but it makes sense. But that like cheesy line gave me huge insight because I said, you know what? Like I had this big dream of helping so many people and I need to have a team around me. I can't do this by myself. And when I was in the six figure place, I was usually doing everything by myself. I had like a virtual assistant, but it wasn't really much help. I realized to get to seven figures, I needed to assemble a team around me and have people that are really good at doing the things that make me tired because I realized that, you know, I, I'm this person who could make massive change in the world. But if I'm doing all these different things in my business, I'm diluting my genius. So if I could focus on my genius more and hire key people to do the things that make me tired, then I could grow a lot faster. I could be more rested. I could I just be more, more productive. And that's when I started to hire people, an, an administrator. Then I got a salesperson. Then I got another assistant to help me with my online stuff, you know, just the, the key people, obviously slowly but surely, I started to assemble this dream team. And then very quickly, I started to gain traction and I broke six figures, got the seven figures. And now it's, it's just like exponential growth. Like literally in the past three years, I've just doubled my income every single year. And, 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 and it was because of, of the power of the team. Oh, delegate, delegate, delegate. That's how you break through to the next step. I love it. So let's talk about that real quick. How awesome does it feel to create jobs? I mean, isn't that one of the greatest feelings on the planet? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you have this amazing gift and you can now assemble this team of people and you're providing for them, for their family. You're giving them livelihood. It is such a fulfilling feeling. Now you've been massively successful and you rewarded yourself with a brand new Bentley recently. Congrats. I'm a fellow car lover, so I can totally appreciate that. But on this podcast, we talk a lot about your money mindset. What made you buy that car? Great question. Uh, just like you, I love cars. And um, about 10 years ago, uh, I watched the movie The Secret, and I had a vision board. And uh, one of the things on the vision board was the Bentley. And I, that was like when I was first starting my business. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm going to get that car one day. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I'm going to get that car one day. And it was kind of like in the back of my subconscious mind. And when I started a business, I realized like, okay, well, in order for me to, let's say, live in my dream house and have my dream car, like I'm not going to do it being the person I am today. So the biggest driver for me was to be like, well, who do I have to be to become a self-made millionaire, to drive a Bentley every single day, to live in a mansion, to live this, this lifestyle that I'm, I'm just like really proud of and I'm really inspired by. And over time, I worked on myself. I developed capabilities. I improved my confidence. I, I got, became a better communicator, and things started falling into place. So literally a few days ago, I went to the Bentley dealership, and I signed the papers, and I drove the car home. You know, sitting in my garage right now. It's like, it's like, like literally three days ago. And after looking at the car, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a kid. Like, I love cars. I'm, like, smiling. I'm like, whoa, I really own this. 
But the biggest thing I'm celebrating is not the car. It's really who I had to become in the process because that is far more important than the car or the house or anything that I've accomplished because I'm a humble guy and I'm realistic. I know that all these things are transient. You know, God forbid I have a, a, a disease that, you know, causes me not to work and I lose everything. I contract something where I can't work and I can't pay my expenses and I lose it all. I lose my house, lose my car. It happens all the time. Now, I know for a fact that I am not these external things. They're, they're great so milestones and signposts that, that I've, I've become a different person, but I'm not so attached to them. But I know in my heart that if I lost everything and I had to rebuild it back, the person I became over the 10 years now can do that. I better in myself. And I'm very confident that if you took everything away from me in a very short amount of time, I'd build it back. So the car was more so a celebration of who I became in the process. God, do I love that statement. So I come across a lot of people where they're really apologetic. They're really ashamed that things like a car or a home or a anything, I don't care what it is, insert thing here, right? That things motivate them and, and they're almost ashamed of it. What are your thoughts around that? Well, it's an emotional driver, you know, like um, if, if I, I know myself, if I live like a minimalistic life and I was focused on scaling and growing and doubling my income and just getting to this level, but I was not enjoying it, I was not buying these milestones and, and trinkets and enjoyments, then it, would, it wouldn't drive me as much, you know? So like, I think for me personally, I'm just driven by progress. Like, you know, if let's say one year I make a million dollars and then the other year I make a million dollars and one dollar, then, then I'm happy, you know? So for me, it's like always up-leveling, always progressing. You know, the, the first car I had was a piece of crap. Now I drive a Bentley. That's progress to me. I want to continue to see progress, but the progress pushes me. So if I just lived this like simple life and I didn't enjoy my wealth, then I wouldn't be as driven, to be quite honest. I totally agree. I feel like the things at first are what get you up off your butt and get you going and make you become the person who you have to become to get that thing, just like you said. And then because you became that person and you built the machine and, and you're thriving, not only do you get the thing, but you go way past getting the thing, which I call excess. And when you have excess, that's when you can massively give back. And none of that would exist without that first motivation of the thing. So that's why I'm, I'm totally okay with people being motivated by things at first. So let's that, talk that's about, a, yeah, that's a brilliant point. Let's talk about what else motivates you. Um, you're really big into giving back. You're, you're huge into it. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Chris. So, you know, like, um, I look at my past and I look at how I came up in this world, being a victim, being addicted to drugs, being just very self-destructive, you know, not having any confidence, being very insecure and dealing with all these demons. And for me, it was actually entrepreneurship that, that changed my life. It gave me an outlet to better myself and to play this game where I'm progressing and I'm giving back and I'm making a shift in this world. And I always thought about like, you know, um, for me, it, it was that near-death experience of being in a coma that woke me up. But I'd always wondered if there was a mentor in my life that maybe would have got me when I was a teenager or when I was coming up in this world and just sat me down and just said, listen, AJ, you're screwing up your life. And this is where you're going to be. If you don't make a change, this is the end result. But here's another option. If they would have taught me about entrepreneurship and personal development and mindfulness at a young age, I would probably be on a different path. 
Of course, I don't regret my past. I feel everything happened the way that it should. But now I am seeing myself, and I, and I see so many young people in this world that are lost, that are in a place where they're doubting themselves, or, or they feel like they don't have any options, or they feel like a victim. So the way that I give back is, is really living by example one, uh, constantly improving, constantly sharing what I'm doing, just you know, letting people know, like, listen, I, I came from a place way worse than you, and this is what I've accomplished. And I'm no different than you. I'm no smarter than you. You could do the same thing. Living by example is the best way to teach. That's number one. And number two, it's just the, the content that I put out in this world. Um, you know, I have a business and I have you know a structured way of content for that. But most of my content is just more about giving back and more helping people because I want to connect with people with where they are. You know, because there's a lot of people that are lost, that are scared, that are in a place where they feel like there there are no options. And you know, about two in the past few years, I, I lost two of my very close friends to suicide. And till this day. It breaks my heart. I think about them all the time, and they were young. They had everything going for them, and they abruptly ended their life. And I just can't stop thinking about like what went through their mind right before they ended it. What were the thoughts? What were the demons? Like, how much pain do you have to endure to say that I cannot live anymore? I cannot live like this anymore. So the biggest cause that I'm focused on is, is giving people options, giving them a way of an outlet, a way of, of, of creating progress and, and creating momentum for themselves so they don't ever feel like they're stuck on this very negative path. That's incredible. What I'm hearing is that the advice that you pour into others today with all the media that you get, that advice would have no significance if you weren't first successful. And so now because you're successful, people actually take your advice seriously. Is that kind of right? That is right. That is absolutely right. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we live in a world where they want to see results. They want to see evidence and proof. And when you are living this lifestyle and you're, it's like your everyday thing to, you know, be successful and to have these nicer things. Uh, yeah, of course, your message resonates much harder because people want to see that, well, if this guy's giving me advice, where is the results? And, you know, in this day and age, especially with the Internet and social media, I mean, there's so much that's exposed. And a lot of people, they're giving out advice, but they're not living uh, congruent to the lifestyle that they live. They're not living by example, right? And um, I think that people could tell now because obviously it's, it's almost impossible to hide your lifestyle in this world of social media and live video. So I feel like the people that are making the change, they're going to have the bigger impact because I feel like success is extremely inspiring. I totally agree. Let me ask you this. Do you have a giving mentor, somebody who you look up to, maybe you know them, maybe you don't, that inspires you to give back more because of the example they're leading? Absolutely. Um, one of my mentors is Joe Polish. I was in his uh, 25K group, and I would have to say that he is probably one of the most giving human beings that I've ever had the, the luxury of being close to. And the guy just gives and gives and gives, and he's like, just, he like, he's like a modern-day Mother Teresa. So <laughs> I, I've always been inspired by how much the guy gives and how much he does behind the scenes without taking any credit for it. That's incredible. It, it, it rubs off on us in such a huge way when we have those ladies and gentlemen in our life, doesn't it? Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Before I ask you the last question, where can we find you? Because people, you know, with all the value that you offered here today, they're going to want to know where to find your courses, where to find your information, where to find all this value that you pour out there into the world. Where can they find you? Sure. Uh, my main hub is my website, onlinesupercoach.com. And on there, I have everything from my uh, seminars. I, I do a, a major seminar here in New York every single year. 
Uh, you come to one of those live events. Uh, I do retreats at my house. And this is more like an intimate gathering. Uh, Ten people come sleep over three days, go through all your business systems, mindset transformation, and also have my podcast on there, the Online Super Coach podcast. And uh, if you want to reach me on social media, I'm very, very active on Facebook. And my Facebook is super easy. It's facebook.com forward slash AJ Fit, A-J-F-I-T. Love it. Okay. Last question. I ask everybody this question and I get all sorts of different answers. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? Because it is your birthright. I mean, we're not meant to live in this life to be docile human beings and live a mediocre life and not get the things that we want. I feel like we are the ultimate creators in the moment that we're born. We have this capacity to create anything our heart desires. And one of the worst things to have anyone do is to go throughout their life and settle and live in a mediocre way, live in an average way that is not to their highest heart's content. So the moment that you understand that you have this power of creating wherever you want, you must do it. It is your obligation and your duty because we only have this one life. And some people say, well, I don't want to live in a luxurious way. I don't want to drive a supercar, right? Well, what do you want to do? Do you want to build schools in a third world country? Do you want to start a soup kitchen? Do you want to start a vegan movement? Like focus on that because that's where the fulfillment is. That's where the happiness comes from because there's so many people going throughout their lives, living this quiet desperation of I should do this or I want to do that, but they're not doing anything. But the people that are taking action, that are taking risks, that are putting themselves out there, they're achieving this high level of success. They're achieving this fulfillment, but they're also taking life by the horns and getting what they want. And by living in this way, they inspire others into action, right? Success is so powerful because it has this powerful echo effect, right? You have this amazing life. You're giving back to yourself, your family, to society as a whole. And at the same time, someone's looking up at you and saying, wow, look at this person. Look at their lifestyle. They're inspiring and they're just like me. So I feel like every single person, 7 billion people on this planet deserve to be successful. I love it. What a way to end it. The world goes to the doers and, and you, my friend, are a total doer making a huge, massive difference. I can't thank you enough for jumping on and sharing your time and your content. Chris, I love this show. It was an honor to be here. And I want to acknowledge you because you are an amazing guy. You're, you're highly successful yourself. And the fact that you're spending your time and energy to give back on this podcast really shows how big of a heart you have. Oh, man, I appreciate it. You know what? It, just like you were saying before, the ultimate fulfillment comes in paying it forward. And this was my favorite way to do it. So I totally appreciate that. Thank you. All right, AJ. We'll connect soon. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.